All right. Hey, everyone. Hey, Janelle. Hey, Steve. What's up? Getting ready for uh, for the game Saturday um, and, and Thanksgiving on Thursday and try to get a quick podcast out before then. Yeah, absolutely. We have a huge game in Columbus on Saturday. That probably, that's the understatement, you know, that's the understatement of the college football season uh, for us as Ohio State grads. Um, It's a little concerning given that we just gave up over 50 points to Maryland, but you, you know, you never know. The records go out the door in this game, as we both know, and really excited to see what this edition of the game is going to bring for us. Yeah. Um, giving up 51 and going to overtime at Maryland and winning because of a missed two point conversion that that guy should have completed. Uh, and the Maryland quarterback's name escapes me right now, but they, <laughs> yeah, Pigram, they, they should have won that game in, in overtime. Um, but it is a little concerning seeing a defense give up the yardage that Ohio State gave up, and so many big plays uh, going into a game against Michigan, where they're you know, Karan Higdon has six or seven straight 100-yard games, and their offenses looked much much better uh, since the Notre Dame game. The good thing for Ohio State is that Notre or uh, that Michigan kind of sh- gets off to slow starts on the road. Um, and Ohio State's defense is much better at home than they have been on the road this year. Absolutely. Um, I think the one thing, well, there's going to be several things that Ohio State is going to have to shore up. Um, I mean, we've talked about it all year. The linebacker play continues to be poor. Uh, We don't need to talk about how I feel about that coach because um, I've made it clear I think he – needs to find a home elsewhere after this season. But the one thing I noticed a lot um, was the linebackers against Maryland, against that freshman running back. They were flowing in the opposite direction of where the play was actually going. So a lot of times, you know, some of our linebackers, they would crash the line of scrimmage and then the play would end up behind them. And then that's when we were getting busted for, you know, long touchdowns and long plays. Uh, like Maryland, Michigan loves to use motion. So I really have a, you know, my hope is that they figure out that playing the linebackers off the line of scrimmage is the way to go. Uh, because I think if they all, if they play close with Higdon's speed and Shea Patterson's ability to scramble, uh, it could be a very long day for that defense. Yeah. Uh, the the walking the linebackers to the, pro- to the line has been a problem a lot of the year, I mean, Ohio State got torched by Indiana and Minnesota on slant routes because of that. And then, you know, we remember the Purdue game and, and the amount of times the linebackers were constantly at least looked out of position there, even if it was, you know, by design. I don't know what it was, what it was that Greg Schiano was doing there. Um, but the walking the linebackers to the line has to stop. Um but it does it, it at least bodes well that this game is is at the horseshoe. Um, I saw a stat earlier today that Ohio State's defense at home gives up 15 points uh, per game in the first half and is only like 
three or six in the second half. Um, so if they can get off to a quick start um, and get the offense into the game early, it's, it makes it a lot easier uh, for Ohio State this weekend. Absolutely. And I would also say that um, Ohio State's offense is always going to keep them in the game. Um, Dwayne Haskins took a huge step forward this last weekend. I know that because of the issues on defense, you know, it probably isn't getting talked about enough. Uh, but he becoming him becoming a threat to run and actually keeping the ball in some of those read option plays and, you know, getting positive yards, that's huge going into this week because it actually makes Michigan think about it, whereas they might not have had to do that before. I'm not saying you want to have Dwayne Haskins, you know, running the ball like JT Barrett. Absolutely not. But at least if he can be a threat to keep it, it gives them something to think about. Um, I also thought he displayed great poise and leadership. Uh, I think, what was it? Ohio State, um, what did they tie the game with like maybe three minutes to go or three or four minutes to go? And then Maryland, on like the very next play when they got the ball back, they they went right back and they they took the lead again on our defense. For him to engineer a drive to tie it up and take it into overtime, that showed just how calm he is. He's a cool cucumber, and they're going to need that this weekend. He's got to be able to keep his head and keep his emotions in check and be able to keep this team rolling forward because he can't rely on his defense. Um I do think the defense gets just enough stops to give them a chance to win. I I feel – I don't want to say I feel confident, but I wouldn't – a lot of people think Michigan's going to come in and boat race Ohio State in their own stadium, and I just – I don't see that happening. Yeah, I, I definitely don't see it that way. Um, I think it's going to be closer than what we hope. Um, you know, you know we, we both hope that, you know, it's obviously going to be in Ohio State – blowout um and just kind of not so much shock the world but just shut people up and and get people looking at ohio state uh football this year in a little different light um i don't think we're gonna get that kind of game i think we're gonna get a typical ohio state michigan it's gonna be a three to ten point game the whole way and um i do agree i think the defense is gonna just just do enough at home. I think, you know, with the crowd behind them, they're a little bit, they've been a little bit better, obviously. Um, and I think Haskins, that last drive uh, in the fourth quarter that you mentioned was really reminiscent to me of his drive uh, to win the game at Penn State. Absolutely. Uh, to be in a place that you don't expect to find yourself, uh, especially at Maryland. Um, in that tight of a game, you don't expect yourself to be down seven points uh, with a minute and 40-something seconds left on the clock and have to go, you know, the, re- the length of the field. Um, luckily, it didn't have to be a 96-yard drive uh, because of Demario McCall getting out to the 50-yard line on the return. But it was uh, – that one was closer than, than obviously we wanted it to be um, – but I think it's just going to be a typical Ohio State Michigan game, and it's not going to be over until. I mean, it, it's you're not going to know. You know, in the past couple of years, we've had games 
where Ohio State wins by 21 or, or 17 and it's, you know, kind of seems like it's over in the third quarter. Uh, that's that's not happening this year. No, absolutely not. I think, honestly, I think it could be a lot like 2016 where, you know, it's it's down to the wire. Now, I do hope it doesn't come down to, like, a referee call. Like, I hope it doesn't – as much as we think the spot is hilarious and we say the spot was good, I hope it doesn't come down to something like that because it kind of takes away from the game. Um you know, I hope it. I hope it lives up to the hype. Uh, I mean, I think it's funny because you know, remember when we played Penn State? Everybody said it was going to be the shootout of a game, and what was the final score of that game? What was it? Twenty. It was like a five point. We didn't win by that many. It was. It was. A, I think it was twenty six twenty one or twenty nine twenty four or something like that. Yeah, and the over-under was like 65 or 70 points. So you know right now if people start predicting it to be, you know, reasonably high scoring, it'll end up being like 17-14, which is what I expect to happen. Yeah, yeah, I can easily see it being one of those types of games where it's the opposite of what people think. Um, My biggest thing going into this is the fact that Michigan, at least as of right now, is a, what, three-and-a-half point favorite at Ohio State, Uh, and the last two times Michigan was favored at Ohio State, they've lost by double digits. Um, I think the most recent one was 2004, and I think that was, was, uh, what, Ted Ginn ran a punt back for a touchdown, and, uh, you know, that was one of the bigger wins Ohio State had, especially coming off of uh, the late 90s and John Cooper era. Absolutely, and I will take Urban Meyer – as a home dog every time uh he just seems to know the buttons to push in situations like this and thinking about michigan because everybody's talking about ohio state's weaknesses and there are a lot of them we know that we've known that all year michigan by and large when they play away from home they don't play as well uh, this is a Michigan team that probably should have lost to Northwestern on the road. Um, they lost to Notre Dame. And if you watched their game against Indiana at all, they have a bit of a problem with covering the middle of the field with the slots and over the middle. And that kind of plays right into Dwayne Haskins' strengths. He can hit those spots. So I think if Haskins has a good day throwing – and I think if they can open it up a little bit for J.K. Dobbins, like they were able to do this last weekend, which isn't getting talked about because of how poorly the defense played, I think Ohio State has a shot to pull the upset. Yeah, uh, the running game has been great the last two weeks. Um, whatever the focus is that they've, they've done, if it's just getting away from, from RPO, um, it's been great. They're They're just – focusing on that they're focusing on getting Dobbins and Weber going um and it's just great to see um especially the game J.K. Dobbins had uh on Saturday near 200 yards if not over I think um 30 38 or 39 carries I mean he set career highs in that he he looked good the line was looking good uh even with a couple guys getting injured uh, earlier in the game, uh, you know, that was the one spot everyone thought was going to be weak this year. And while they've had their issues, um, 
you know, Fair Munford goes out, Josh Alabi steps in and, you know, he didn't look out of place. He didn't really get beat too much. Um, it was a, it was a good sign to see the running game going. Yeah. And they're going to have to bring it this week because you know, Rashawn Gary is going to come at them hard. That line for Michigan's, you know, Michigan's front four, they're, they're tough. Um, so it's yeah. a big challenge. Um, but one thing that I, you know, I think to keep top of mind, uh, the rumors have been swirling today all over the internet that this is Urban Meyer's last home game, that he will step down at the end of the season and retire and step away from football. Uh, I'll be interested to see kind of how that narrative develops over this week. I think it's very telling that Ohio State hasn't said anything to the contrary to stop the rumors. Um, you and I kind of talked about this offline. Pete Thamel wrote an article about Urban's health uh, because last weekend when they were playing Maryland, he just didn't look well. Uh, I mean, I know in the past, yes, he's done the thing where he's been kind of doubled over on the sideline, kind of listening to his headset or he's put his hands on his head, but it has never been more pronounced um, than in these recent weeks and in, in this season. So now there's you know these rumors that are starting to pick up some steam that he's going to step away from football. So I'll be interested to see how the team reacts to that um, on Saturday and see if that becomes a storyline. And then if he does step away, who Ohio State decides to go with uh, to kind of go forward? Do they go with the safe choice and promote Ryan Day uh, and kind of keep things intact? Or, which is a risk because he doesn't have any head coaching experience, or do they go outside the program to somebody, you know, like ISU's Matt Campbell? Um, So I think that'll be a really intriguing storyline as we go through the next couple of weeks, especially if Ohio State happens to win Saturday and they have to go to the Big Ten Championship game. You know, what are are those storylines going to be? Yeah, like like you said, we – we talked about it a little bit before recording here, and um, you know we mentioned earlier in the day and, and yesterday the the article from Pete Thamel. Um, you know, at least around Ohio State, you know, if something comes from from Pete Thamel, he's kind of Urban's go-to guy. First off, um, my feeling is that that article doesn't really get published or written the way it was. Um, without kind of talking with urban and, and kind of getting an idea for what's going through his head right now. Um, you're right. Urban has, has always been very kind of demonstrative on the sad, on the sideline. Uh, he has always kind of worn his emotions on his sleeves, especially in bigger and or close games. Uh, but it, it looked a little different this time and this season, um, you know, and, and seeing it from Cowherd today that, that Urban, you know, he he's heard from multiple sources that have you know good knowledge that uh, that Urban's going to be be retiring at the end of the year. Um, I would, you know, personally, I wouldn't. I don't want to see Ryan Day go anywhere, so I'd like to see them them offer him the head coaching position. But I could also see, like you said, Matt Campbell. Um, I don't I don't know where else they'd go. Uh, I don't think Lincoln Riley is going to leave what he's got at Oklahoma right now. Uh, no, I don't even know, you know, he's got a great offensive uh, 
a great offensive mind, but I can't deal with another year of a defense like this. Uh, that's just all. Um, and, and watching Oklahoma, their defense is, is atrocious. Um, and I mean, we were texting earlier today, um, you know, the pipe shot would be, would be Dabo. Uh, but there's, I, I don't ever see Dabo weaving Clemson. Um, at least not, not to just, you know, take a head head coach at Ohio state when he's built Clemson into what it is now. Um, I don't really see him leaving that. Um, so I think your best bets are probably either Ryan day or Matt Campbell. So, yeah. So like my biggest concern, I guess, is just, you know, getting the right guy because we definitely don't, I say we, like I play the game, but that's how much we love our school. But, um, they definitely don't want to become like Penn state or Michigan state where, you know, you're good once every three or four years. Like that's not who we are. Uh, I definitely think day could be a good head coach. I just think it's risky taking a guy who has no head coaching experience, but it could pay off because he can keep certain assistants around hopefully. Um, but I think one thing to consider there is that being a head coach at Ohio state comes with a lot more, than just coaching on Saturdays in the fall. And I even remember Day saying back when Urban was, you know, coming back after the suspension, you know, that he was glad that Urban was going to be back. And I'm sure that's part of it. Um, But we'll see. I mean, I think Matt Campbell is a great candidate. He's done a lot at ISU. And I mean, imagine what he could do with the resources at Ohio State. Um, My only prerequisite is that whoever they bring in, keeps Larry Johnson senior <laughs> because I think that man should be allowed to coach for as long as he wants to, but that's just my two cents. And, um, Oh, and I, my other prerequisite is that Billy Davis and uh, Greg Schiano go find other jobs just to keep it real. Yeah. Um, Larry Johnson absolutely needs to stay. Um, I mean, that, that defensive line has looked so great the last couple of years with him. Um, uh, he should absolutely stay. Um, yeah, I mean, we'll see what what ends up happening. We'll see if, you know, the the swirling rumors end up being correct. Um, I've got a gut feeling that the health factors and um, administrative factors are going to, you know, end up being what um, what ends up end up causing this to be Urban's final season. Um and it'd be nice to go out with him, you know, undefeated against Michigan. Um, I think that'd be, you know, not that he's not already one of the all-time great coaches, but that'd be the way to seal it. Absolutely. And it'd be nice if they could not only beat Michigan, but get him one more Big Ten title and then, you know, win presumably the Rose Bowl, because I'm assuming that's where they would end up if they didn't get to the playoff. But that's all very premature. <laughs> um yeah. Um, also, the people that, that don't want Ohio State to make the playoffs, uh, that are Ohio State fans, that are afraid of another beatdown by Clemson or Alabama or, you know, whoever. I mean, you, you want to always have a shot at the title because you never know what's going to happen. Um, I mean, you saw a couple, we saw a couple years ago, you get in with a third string quarterback, everyone thinks you're going to get sm- smoked by Alabama. You win and then you blow out Oregon. You never know what happens. Um, so getting there 
is better than than not being there. Absolutely, and you because you can't win it if you're not in it. Um, I understand the concern. Trust me, I understand the concern. Uh, but at the same time, like if you're actively pulling for your team not to be able to play for a championship, I saw somebody say you have the mental toughness of a toddler. I tend to agree because this is what these kids come here for. They come here to play in the playoffs. So to say that you don't want them to get in is just like, it just sounds ridiculous. Like there's nothing, you don't sound smart. You don't sound like edgy because you're being a contrarian. It just sounds really silly. Uh, You should always want the opportunity to play for a championship because who knows you might just win it. Yeah. Um, and then uh, moving on from Ohio State, uh, Kansas hired Les Miles. That uh, was official either yesterday or Saturday, um, which I've seen a lot of people wondering why Kansas went for Les Miles. Uh, it's Kansas football. They, they take who they can get. And Les Miles wanted to get back into coaching, and he's the biggest name that they're going to they're gonna have access to. Um, you know, and if Les thinks he can build Kansas up, more power to him if he actually does. Um, it's a basketball school. They had one good year a couple years ago with Mark Mangino. And uh, I think that Kansas got probably the best person they could have gotten for a job that, you know, a lot of coaches partic- might not want because of where it is and, and the history there. I think – like you're right. Like that. Who else were they planning to get? Like they're not. It. I mean, it is Kansas. He is he gonna have them on the playoff in a year or two? Probably not. But I mean, they could start by having I don't know a winning season. Um. I think you have to manage expectations. That's not exactly a recruiting hotbed. And he's, you know, competing with other Big 12 schools. Um, it's kind of like people with Nebraska who thought that they could get, you know, a home run higher. And I think they have with Frost. I think it's going to take time. But I think you have to, you know, set expectations and realize that, okay, like we have a, we have a coach who has won a national team, you know, won titles. We have a coach who was successful in – what used to be the toughest conference in, in America, because I don't believe the SEC is the toughest. I think it is up there, but I, I don't think it's, you know, what it was when Les Miles was winning in it. Um, so I think those people need to just give him a shot. And, you know, he's called the Mad Hatter for a reason. I mean, he, he's, he'll bring a different energy to Kansas football, which is probably what they need. Yeah, they, they needed something. Um, and you're right, he will bring something different. Uh, he's just, he's so outside the box that I think, you know, we'll, we'll sit here now and knowing not knowing anything about Kansas football, who they have, who they're bringing back next year, what anyone on their team did. I almost am willing to write in that Kansas will upset either Texas, Oklahoma, or West Virginia next year, just because, you know, if they get one of those at home, that's, that's perfect for less miles. Um, especially in the beginning of his, his Kansas coaching career. Um, I would almost be willing to pencil in Kansas will upset someone big next year. Oh yeah. Easily. 
I I'm willing to bet money on that. Um, money on it. Yeah, and then other coaching news: uh, USC fired Clay Helton, which I was kind of surprised they they hired Clay Helton as their full time head coach in the first place after putting the interim tag on him. Um, you don't teams don't ordinarily hire um, the interims. Uh, especially, you know, doing it right before one of their biggest games. Uh, I think it was like a year and a half ago that they they took the interim tag off him, uh, and then they proceeded to lose the next game because, you know, the team had rallied around getting him the full-time position, and then they lost, and uh, and then they've kind of spiraled since. Yeah, they have. They have. Um the interim idea is interesting because, I mean, that can go either way. I mean, I think that – I don't know. I mean, what are your thoughts on, on, on the interim head coach question? Um, I've. It's hard to kind of think about because, I mean, for, for us at Ohio State, our interim was a full year of, of Luke Fickle, and then he just went, slid back to defensive coordinator um, – after, you know, that year in between Jim Trestle and Urban Meyer, um, we don't have midseason firings almost ever. Uh, I can't think of one going back to Woody Hayes uh, of a midseason firing. Uh, so we don't have to deal with the midseason interims. Um, and so I think that helps. And so I think it gives us a different perspective. And that's why I don't know, if, you know, Guys playing for a coach on the interim tag, um, you know, if it if it really makes them that successful as the the main guy now, um, the only one I've seen it work for even so far now is is Ed or- Ed Orgeron because uh, he got thrown in there last year as the interim head coach and uh, you know LSU took it to Miami in week one and then kind of coasted on what seems like an easy schedule until. Uh, going to or playing Alabama and, and Alabama turning in that game into twenty nine nothing disaster. Yeah, I mean Alabama Alabama that you know that was ridiculous. But I do think, you know, it has by and large worked for LSU so far. Uh, I think you know we'll see if he continues this success. I mean I guess well, I mean, it wasn't really a firing. I'm thinking about Oklahoma because, I mean, they did the interim head coach thing. They just kind of promoted from within with Lincoln Riley. But I think it can go either way. I think it can be a disaster. I think it can work out. I also think it depends on the interim head coach's experience, you know, prior experience. So, I mean – it's an interesting question. It's one Ohio State's going to have to deal with here shortly, apparently. Uh, you know, I think there's arguments for both ways, quite honestly. Yeah, I do, I, I do agree there. Um, it'll be interesting to see what USC does because that, you know, up until this year had always been one of the the top five jobs, it seemed like, in college football. It was, you know, Alabama, Ohio State, Michigan, USC, Texas, Texas. Yeah. Those five, I think have always been like the the five biggest jobs in the country. Um, 
just because Oklahoma's was never really open. It was it was Bob Stoops for so long. Um, I think it's going to be interesting to see where USC goes. Um, I'm assuming Ryan Day is going to be a candidate. I'm assuming Matt Campbell is going to be someone they try to talk to. Um, you know, it'll it'll be interesting to see what happens at USC this summer. That's why Ohio State needs to make a move. I mean, obviously, I want that. This is totally self-serving. This is why. I think some of this has leaked out about Urban Meyer because they they need to show that this is this position is going to be open because they're going to get interest. So they need to cast the net now so that way they're not losing out on who they want to, to a USC. And you know there's going to be other openings. Um, Colin Coward said something really – I hadn't heard this yet, that Brian Kelly is getting interest from – the NFL more than ever before. That would be wild. I don't see him leaving Notre Dame, but if he does, like there's another job that we're, you know is going to be competing for a lot of these elite candidates that are out there. And I don't think there are that many elite candidates. So I'll be interested to see how this coaching carousel shakes out as we move towards the end of the season. Yeah, I've got a feeling Ohio State's going to end up you know, it's either – I feel like you're right. It's either Matt Campbell or Ryan Day for Ohio State. Um, I don't think they want to see Ryan Day go. He's been a great offensive coordinator, um, you know, the last two years. Um, and he's really – it looks like he's done wonders for for not just Dwayne Haskins, but, you know, it seems like probably Tate Martell and, and would continue to do so for everyone coming in. Um yeah, if, I mean, if those are the three elite jobs open and, you know, the two elite coaches we can name right off the bat are, are Day and Campbell, and, and you can't really go much further than that with guys that would be willing to make jumps. Because um, I don't see Lincoln Riley leaving Oklahoma unless it's to go to the Browns. Um, I think I think he would take the Browns job to Coach Baker again. But I don't see Lincoln Riley leaving Oklahoma at this point. Um so I think you're looking at, at two people for three jobs. Absolutely. Yes. Um, kind of thinking more about college football and what's been going on. I live in Orlando, and I'm going to say it now. I went to grad school there. I'm tired of UCF. Uh, yeah. I'm over them. I'm upset at Cincinnati and Coach Fickle for not doing anything against them the other day. And I am annoyed that UCF is getting credit for a horrible schedule. And that's not to take away from, I understand, hey, winning games at this level is tough. And what if they won like 23 or 24 straight games? Like, I understand that's a lot of games to win in a row. But at the same time, don't you think that like any of the Blue Bloods would be running through their schedule too? Oh, easily. Uh, if you gave most Big Ten teams UCF schedule, I would think most Big Ten teams are nine and one or ten and one right now. Um, you know, and, and that goes for you know a, a team like Purdue. Uh, you know, you look at UCF schedule, and their two toughest games have been, you know, maybe Memphis was a one point win for them, and then this Cincinnati team. Um, and you know Cincinnati was was nine and one, and they were their one loss was to Temple earlier in the year when you know Cincinnati had climbed inside the top twenty. 
losing that game was enough to drop them all the way out of the top 25. They snuck back in uh, this week going into that game, you know, and, and they're sitting there at 23 or 24. Uh, but that was a 9-1 and one team that was not the 24th best team in the country from what I saw. Um, and what I'd seen, you know, you go back and look at some of their games and Cincinnati's, best, you know, best opponent up until UCF was maybe Ohio or SMU. Yes. Um, you know, they, they got a good one at the start of the year. Everyone thought by going to UCLA and beating Chip Kelly, and then you see, ah, oh, never mind, UCLA's three and seven or two and eight, whatever they are now. Um, so it's not that good a win. And I, I think UCU is just a uh, – I don't want to say fraud because it's still a good football team. I mean, they're nine and two. They're winning games that are in front of them. Um, but – UCF having the 118th ranked strength of schedule uh, and, you know, sitting here at 10 or 11, if you gave that schedule to Ohio State, Alabama, Clemson, Michigan, Notre Dame, Texas, Oklahoma, West Virginia, I mean, you could go through a lot of these conferences before you get somewhere where where one of these teams is going to be even as bad as 8-4 and four with that schedule. I'm willing to say Penn State would go – 10 and one or 10 and two or 11, you know, 11 and one, 12 and zero with that schedule Penn state. And they're not good this year. Uh, the only thing you can think of teams I can think of in the big 10 that would struggle with that schedule are Rutgers and Illinois. Illinois is really bad, but as a role, like somebody texted me, that's a big UCF guy earlier and he was trying to tell me about – first of all, he tried to talk trash about Ohio State and how they almost lost to Maryland. Like, we don't know. And then he was trying to tell me that they deserve a spot in the college football playoffs. On what planet do they deserve to be in, like, over the eight or nine teams that are ahead of them? Like, I just don't – I don't see it. And right, wrong, or indifferent, like, they're still a group of five school, you know – if they were playing Alabama, well, Alabama's schedule is not very good, but if they were playing, you know, in a, any Power 5 conference, I don't know that they'd be undefeated. I don't know that they would have this win streak going on. And, you know, basically, they're trying to use this win last year over Auburn as justification to get into the top four this year. And I just don't think it's going to work. No, um, I, I agree. I think that if they were playing in the SEC, ACC, Big Ten, Big 12, um, you know, one of those one of those conferences that they'd be 8-4 and four range. Because um, you're just playing – you're playing different, different teams at that point. Like, not to take away anything from Memphis, who it seems like is probably who they're going to be playing in their championship game um, – Playing Memphis isn't playing at Memphis or even at home against Memphis isn't the same as playing at home against Michigan or at Michigan or at Ohio State, uh, at Penn State. Uh, it's just not the same. Not even the same as going to to a Michigan State. Um, you know, the, the you know if they were to go to Clemson, they'd get killed. If they were to go, you know, to a uh, to Florida to Georgia. Um, absolutely to Alabama, to LSU, there's no way if they're in these conferences that they're going to be undefeated at this point, I don't think. 
Well, I think I was also thinking, you know, like I, they think it's so disrespectful when you say that they don't belong in the college football playoffs. And it's like, I understand you want your shot, but they, they live in a vacuum. They try, they live in a vacuum. It's like, this is not a vacuum. You, you can't take away, like they're trying to tout this win they have over Pitt. Come on. Like Pitt is horrible. Well, they won the ACC Coastal. Congratulations. Like they're, they're still terrible. The, that division, the ACC Coastal is as good as the Big Ten West. What's Northwestern's record? It's not good. It, it's, I, they're either 7-4 and four or 6-5. and five. I think 7-4 and four with the win last weekend. Let's see. Uh, they're 7-4. and four. They're 7-4 and four yeah. and they're 7-1 and one in the conference. So a team that's seven and four, they could potentially lose to Minnesota this weekend and be seven and five, is playing for a conference title. Like that's terrible. Yeah. Like so, like I just like so when they tout this win over Pitt, well Pitt's ranked. That like come on, like I I'm not I'm not buying what they're selling there. Yeah, um, I I don't think UCF deserves to be in the playoff right now. Um, I mean, the whole playoff debate started, if I remember right, back with uh, with Boise State when they never got a shot. Um, you know, they beat Oklahoma, and they were kind of up there for a couple years, and now, now they've fallen off. Um, and now, you know, now they're back in the top 25, but, you know, they fell off for a while too. Um I don't, you know, I don't think UCLA or UCF, sorry. Um, you know, I don't, I think their win streak is great. They, you know, they've obviously beaten Auburn, but they haven't really beaten anyone else in that. Um, and, you know, if they win another big bowl game this year, then, you know, let's see them ranked in the top 10 next year to start. Um, but I just don't, I don't see it right now that, that they get in. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I think I think I'm even looking back. I'm looking back right now at Northwestern. I mean, you said they're seven and four, and they're seven and one uh, in the Big Ten. Uh, I mean, they, they lost to Duke at the beginning of the season. They lost to Akron, and uh, I'm trying to find their other. Got beat by Michigan. Uh, beat Michigan State, beat Nebraska by three, beat Rutgers by three. I mean, this isn't, you know, they lost to Notre Dame by 10. Um, I mean, that's a team that lost to, like I said, Duke, Notre Dame, and Akron. The Akron Zips of the MAC beat Northwestern. Um, You know, that's... I think that's about where UCF might fall, or at least the, or sorry, the the ACC Coastal Division would fall. It'd be about the Big Ten West. Yeah, I would tend to agree with you there. I just, I don't want to discount the win streak. It's just they, they're not at a level where they should be considered to play amongst the Blue Bloods. That's all. Yeah. 
So moving on, I think that's kind of it for college football this week. Um, yeah, we'll see. I mean, we're recording this on Monday night, so we'll see college football playoff rankings tomorrow night, um, you know, Tuesday night. But um, so we'll have we'll have some better idea come this weekend, um, you know, following Thanksgiving and some of the rivalry games Friday night into Saturday morning. Um, because this weekend has some good ones besides Ohio State, Michigan. Um, you've got Washington, Washington State, and Texas or er, and Oklahoma, West Virginia this weekend. Mm-hmm. Uh, so there's still a lot that's that's going to happen uh, either in front of or behind Ohio State and and around the top ten of the college football playoff. Yeah, there's I mean, there's still plenty of time for chaos. That's that's what I'm hoping for. When Ohio State's yeah. not great, we're not dominant. I just pull for the world to burn in college football yeah. because that's when it's the most fun. Yeah, it, it is. It is fun to just pull for pull for upsets everywhere else and just watch these these big teams lose. And I'm sure that's what you know a UC you know that's what UCF is hoping for is for someone to beat LSU and for someone to beat uh, Oklahoma and, and try to sneak them up a couple more spots going into the conference championship week. But I just, I, I think if it comes down to Ohio state or UCF for the playoff, you know, if it were to end up that way, Ohio state's easily getting there. Oh, it, absolutely. It's not a question. The same thing if it were Michigan versus UCF. It's not a question. Yeah. Yeah. So thinking about football on the pro side, um, the Steelers managed to finally get past the Jaguars yesterday. Uh, that was an excruciating game to watch. Um, they just always seem to struggle with the Jags. It doesn't seem to matter if the Jags are good or not so good. Like this year, they just they couldn't get it together. Ben Roethlisberger was terrible yesterday for most of the game. Um, and in fact... I can't believe I'm saying this, but the defense is what kept Pittsburgh in that game. So they improved their win streak to six games, and they are now trailing, you know, Kansas City for uh, a top spot in the AFC playoff picture. Yeah, and that's that's surprising after how the season started for them. Um, you know, to anyone that's you know listening that doesn't know us, uh, you know we're, we're Steelers fans um, and we don't really hide it. Um, and starting with a tie with the Browns and and being I think it was either o two it was one two and one after the first four weeks uh, to being where they are now. Um, you know it, it, it's big. The defenses look great. Um, ben played a terrible game. It sounds like I didn't watch. Um, but you know, they found a way to win, and uh, that's a, that's a huge sign uh, with that team just finding a way to win. Yeah, and um, this coming the week after Le'Veon Bell missed his chance to report, so he did not show up uh, a week ago Tuesday, so he will not be able to play at all this season. Um, if I'm the Steelers, I let him walk and I take the compensatory pick and I keep it moving. I don't French. I don't try to tag him again. Well, they won't tag him because it would be like $25 million. And I don't try to transition tag him either because at this point, they don't really need him. 
I think you go with Connor and then maybe you go get another back in the draft. Uh, because at this point, what does Le'Veon really give you if you let him back in that locker room? Yeah, I think he's, if he comes back, you know, if they were to re-sign him in the offseason and bring him back in, it's just more of a headache. Uh, I think the offensive line and, and the offense for the Steelers this year has really embraced James Conner, uh, and I think it shows on Sundays when he's putting up very similar, if not slightly better, stats um, throughout the first however many games of the season. You know, we're, what, this is week 11, week 12 now, and, and he's more touchdowns in a single season than Le'Veon's had. You know, he's on pace with the same rushing yards, if not more, um, and doing it on about the same amount of production uh, or, or usage rate. Um, you know, I, I think if you bring him back, there's just, you know, for as talented as he is, I think it causes some problems in the locker room. Uh, and I think they're just going to let him go uh, and, and just be done with it. I agree. Um, thinking more about the NFL, you know, well, first of all, the Steelers have to go play the Saints in New Orleans next month. Terrified. I've pretty much. Yeah, that's going to be bad. <laughs> uh, that's that one's going to be bad. Uh, the Saints defense is on track now. They started really, be- really poorly, uh, almost losing to the Browns, and their one losses to to Fitz Magic and the Buccaneers. Um, that defense is on on, you know. They're back to where they were last year at the end of the season. And Drew Brees is is probably going to win the MVP. And the Saints are just scary. Yeah, they are. They are. Like, I mean, thankfully, like, like not that the Steelers are going to get to the Super Bowl, but if they did, they wouldn't see the Saints to the Super Bowl again. But, the, yeah, they're terrifying. They're absolutely terrifying. Like, I don't think – like, I know the Rams are good. Obviously, they play each other. I just think the Saints are that much better. And they really seem to have like a – they're really functioning as – I think Mike Weber today, or, uh, he said that they really seem to have a brotherhood going on. You can see it. Those guys just love e- – they love playing together. They're fun to watch. They're probably my second favorite team to watch after the Steelers. Yeah. I mean, you see videos, seems like just about every game of – Michael Thomas, Alvin Kamara, Mark Ingram, uh, and those guys dancing on the sidelines in you know in the middle of the fourth quarter, uh, just because they tend to be up so much uh, that they can relax and just hang out at that point. Um, that that team's a buzzsaw, and and they're going to just beat I think whoever comes in front of them. And it, at the pace it's going, the NFC is going to have to go through New Orleans, and and they're not going to lose in the Superdome. No, that's too, yeah, that's a tough place to play. That's as that's that's more difficult to me than going to Foxborough. Yeah, it's more difficult than Foxborough, and it may even be tougher than going to Kansas City. And Kansas City is a very tough place to play. Yeah, um, I mean, Kansas City is ridiculous. Uh, I mean, that team's been incredible this year too, um, which is kind of leading to the point we wanted to make early, um, which is that each conference right now seems like it's just three teams and everyone else. Um, you know, the NFC, it seems like it's kind of Saints, Rams, and um, who am I forgetting in the NFC that's really good this year? The Bears. 
Yes. It's those three. And then in the AFC, it's Chiefs, Steelers, and Patriots. Um, and then you got everyone else. And, and the Chargers have been good, but, I mean, they just lost to the Raiders uh, yesterday. Um, and I think, you know, after you get past the Chargers, I think, didn't you say it was it was Baltimore? Yes. It was the, Baltimore the next five and team, five. The wild card. And, and then on the, the NFC, I mean, Carolina's six and four, and they're – you know, either the four or five, like they're the four or five spot for a wild card or they're the, they're the first wild card. So it's, uh, it seems like it's just those three and everyone else in a race to see who gets to the Super Bowl. Yeah. I just, um, it's kind of, it hasn't been that exciting of a season for that reason. It's just like, it's kind of the usual suspects in the AFC this year. Um, the one thing, like, you know, personally, I, although the Steelers have historically done better when they have to go on the road. It doesn't make any sense. They've done better as a wild card in the playoff than they do when they have, like, home field advantage. That That's very bizarre to me, but it is what it is. Um, but what does warm my heart, being from Pennsylvania, is seeing how bad the Eagles are. Like, what a step back. What a step back they have taken. Um... I think people are starting to wonder if – who's their head coach? Is it Peterson? Doug Peter, is that their head coach? Yeah. People are starting yeah, to wonder, is he really the answer? Like, they're already starting to question that, which I think is hilarious. Um, yeah. Thinking of other teams that have taken a step back, like Oakland. Yeah. <laughs> My God. Wow. Wow. Um, John, John Gruden just looks like a dinosaur. I mean, he doesn't. He looks like he's trying to run a, the offense he ran when uh, when he won the Super Bowl in the early two thousands, and it doesn't fit now. Um, he just, I don't know what it is. Um, and and you know maybe maybe we'll all laugh you know in a couple of years if he gets this right and you know getting all these draft picks for Amari Cooper and Khalil Mack and everyone he's losing ends up working out, but. Right I mean, now, my God, it doesn't look like it's going to right now. You know, the Steelers have to play the Raiders. It would be so Steelers of them to lose. Yep. That would be such – like, honestly, like, I was looking at the rest of the Steelers games, and they – yeah, they have to play Oakland. It would be just like the Steelers to lose to them. It absolutely would be. Uh, it would fit the team just over the last couple of years. They'll, they'll win a game that, you know, is a big game. Like, it wouldn't surprise me – you know, and it sounds weird to say it out loud. If they were to go to New Orleans and win a shootout there, and then lose, lose to the Raiders the next week, yeah. So they have, let's see, so they have the Broncos this weekend. They should beat Denver. Uh, then you play the Chargers. That's a tough game. That's tough-ish. Then they play the Raiders, and then they play the Pats. They play the Pats and the Saints back to back. That's terrible. Yeah. That's gonna that's gonna be rough. That's that's rough. Yeah, they play the the Pats, the Saints, and the Bengals in three straight weeks. That's a tough stretch. Although the Bengals aren't very good. Um, I'm trying to think what else in the NFL. I think that pretty much covers the NFL for this week at least. Yeah, this week at least. The only other thing I can think of is because I heard it earlier today uh 
But my God, what is Mark? What is Mike McCarthy doing with Aaron Rodgers? I mean, it's just a waste of talent um, to look at how good Aaron Rodgers is, and and to see he's only got one Super Bowl, and to see the talent around him is almost nothing uh, at this point, at least. I mean, Mike McCarthy has just—it seems like he's just done a terrible job of finding an offense that fits what could potentially be the best quarterback we've ever seen, you know, until Patrick Mahomes, you know, ends that in a couple of years. But for right now, Aaron Rodgers is still, you know, possibly the greatest quarterback ever. And it seems like Mike McCarthy has just completely mismanaged most of his career. Yeah, definitely. Which is a shame. A big shame. Um, so thinking about basketball, uh, just quickly with college, Duke appears to be a juggernaut that nobody is going to be able to beat. But then again, we'll get to March and they'll lose to somebody they shouldn't and it'll be shocking. But right now they're looking pretty, pretty much unbeatable. Um, oh, this is a Villanova is not ranked for like the first time in three years. Wow, I did not know that. I haven't actually seen the new rankings other than that. Ohio uh, State ranked. <laughs> yeah, I, I saw that. I saw they were twenty third uh, after beating Cincinnati and Creighton, but that was about it. I hadn't really seen anything else. I'm assuming Duke is number one, but I don't even know. Hmm. I think they are. I'm not sure. I mean, either Duke or Kansas. It's got to be hard to not put Duke number one after what they did to Kentucky. Um, like I didn't watch, not- them, but yeah, I mean, I, I didn't watch any of that game, but just seeing afterwards some highlights of what what those three freshmen did. I mean, that team. I mean, we we talk about the. I mentioned earlier that the Kentucky team when we were talking offline, the Kentucky team that went thirty nine and one, with Anthony Davis. I think they went thirty nine and one, and then the other the other Kentucky team that you know got to the Final Four, um, you know, was thirty eight and zero. Um, you know that this Duke team seems like it could be, yeah, even with those two those two teams. All right. Well, I think that kind of covers everything for this week. I know that we haven't been around like the last few weeks. We've just been both really busy, with, you know, with traveling and. You know, stuff with work, but hopefully we'll be a little bit more consistent going forward as we get to the end of football season and head towards the NFL playoffs in bowl season. Um, but in the meantime, I hope you all have a very happy Thanksgiving. And Steve, same to you. And I'm looking forward to seeing you. Yeah, you as well. Yeah, it's going to be fun. Um, we'll have to figure out uh, what we're what our plans are for for Friday night and Saturday morning. Uh, and then, obviously, we know what we're doing in the afternoon. Um, but, again, yeah, I hope you have a great Thanksgiving. Hope anyone that listens before Thanksgiving has a great Thanksgiving. Uh, if you catch us afterward, uh, you know, hope you enjoy time with your family um, and and had a great holiday. And, uh, you know, like she said, hopefully, hopefully we can keep doing this a little more consistently um, after a couple busy weeks of work, especially for me. But I, I know she's been busy as well. Um, so, again, from from both of us, happy Thanksgiving and, and Janelle. I'll see you uh, either Friday night at the 
at St. John Arena or uh, Saturday morning. Yes, sir. Go Bucks. Go Bucks. <laughs>